Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome along to episode 92 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast. We are gathered here today to remember the Euro 20 tournament, Euro 2020 tournament for our national team, Scotland. Joining me for this service is avid fan, uh, Leicester Square veteran of that day. He survived the battle. Sadly, lost the war. <laughs> I think as we all did. It is Jonathan Brown Levy. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you for being with us today. Still Benny Paolo. Come here. <laughs> yes, you you quickly converted. You took your uh, your Scottish puns down to the the exchange to get some Italian lira. Lira. Uh, they're using the euro now. It's fine. I don't know. We're we're still all for Italy. For Scotland. Yeah. In 1990, the tournament of the century, they were using lira, John. So we'll st- we'll stick with lira. Uh, but no, thank you very much for joining us, John. Um, and of course myself, host Paul Menzies, uh, the man who now thoroughly regrets buying his Scotland away kit. Uh, and so mate. I know, and uh, well, you know, half tempted to phone up, but it's the fact that it's going to have the badges and things on the side when that just wouldn't have existed in the tournament at all. Like they didn't wear the away kit at all, so it's uh, it's a weird relic. Uh, but you got to stick with it. Got to stick with it. So, of course, this week we are going to be talking all about Scotland's tournament. Big focus on the game against Croatia. Uh, where do we go from here? And generally, what do we think of the team's progress? Um, we might. Uh, tack on a few other things towards the end uh, a few interesting signings around the SBFL don't think we've talked about new sponsorship for the league yet um, and the infamous Falkirk nightclub that now adorns the back of the Falkirk football club strips that we were hyping up so much over the weekend so we will get to all that so <laughs> as Raman said <laughs> before the England match sit back and relax <laughs> for the biggest derby going because of course it's casual and joining us, uh, join us, sorry, for the next 30 or 40 minutes of Scottish Football Chat. Right, okay, after that sort of weird intro, after you finally managed to G me up with your Italian hello, um, what are your thoughts on how this tournament has come to an end for Scotland? Let's start there, John. Oh, if you're taking it as an immediate kind of reaction, it's complete devastation, I think. Really bought the hype, really expected something magical to happen. Um, don't know whether that was kind of based on blind hope or if a, a degree of expectation was beginning to come in, but come 90 minutes last night, just distraught, absolute distraught. I couldn't believe what I just witnessed. I don't know uh, about yourself, but I just completely disaster disaster I, I was devastated as well i actually went about we're recording this the day after the match uh, i was in a really bad mood today and woke up with the line why would anyone want independence we're a completely useless nation mm. um I, I, echoing i think the thing that sums this up excellently was i was messaging someone last night who casual football fan you know uh, kind of kept up with the euros and things like that so they're messaging back and forth and then after they lost the match i got the reply live and learn we'll do better next time so Indeed. I respond, dot, 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 in 20 years, question mark. Responds, well, you're a bundle of, a bundle of optimism, aren't you? Question mark. 
Aha. <laughs> Paragraph response. Come on, though. We qualified through the very last back door into a tournament that it's literally harder not to qualify out of the groups. And every, capital letters, home nation has managed it before. We're an embarrassment. We had the chances tonight. There comes a time that we need to stop Scotlanding it. See Hibsit for similar expression. I can't cope with your negativity, dude. End of conversation. Um, Can I name and shame him? (laughs) No. (laughs) But um, nothing but expletives were flying through my head at that response. Uh, That summed up my anger at the time. Uh, I will get to that in terms of the context of things. Uh, I do think we need to present a balanced argument this evening. Um, And after my anger today i do think it was brilliant to be part of the conversation for once to be part of the tournament and yeah. um, you know that was a really cool feeling it should happen more often from now on i think with that squad we have mm-hmm. although let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because again we qualified through the very last possible entry point and that's an entry point that doesn't exist for the world cup i don't believe why well, I, I don't believe so and we are in a very tough group for the World Cup qualifying as well, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll need to kind of be mindful of. But we'll get to that. That's that's for September. Good news, John. JD Sports are in touch. Uh, they will be packing my order shortly for the Scotland show. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I've believe me? heard you. Unbelievable. <laughs> right, let's get him before he funds <laughs> in and cancels it. Unreal. What's the chances, eh? Um... So where do we want to start? I think we'll, we'll start with the most immediate um, recent <laughs> event in that. What did you make of the Croatia game? Yeah. Now, as you kind of mentioned, we'll try and do this kind of as a, a balanced point. So I have kind of done a, an optimist view and a pessimist view, right? I like it. Get a bit of both. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be a, a kind of optimist about the game, uh, you're probably looking to say Croatia... World Cup finalists in 2018. They've got, I'd say, at least three, maybe four players who play in midfield to attacking positions at elite European clubs. You're looking at Modric, Brozovic, Perisic, and obviously Kovacic as well. So they've been my kind of top four. So yeah, that that's the kind of quality Scotland we're up against if you're kind of looking at it on paper. Um, we we did okay, I think. If you if you're being optimistic, we did quite well. Um, we were competitive in the game for for sort of periods in it. Cal McGregor's goal was absolutely outstanding. Good touch, great finish, and it gave us a bit of kind of open optimism. So especially after the first goal when that went in, you kind of thought, "Oh, well, we're done." But you know, it kind of galvanised it a little bit going into half time. So there was a lot of positives to kind of take out of the game. Yes, the result wasn't what we wanted, but as has been kind of said in the media, you know, this is something to build on. This is just the beginning game remains to be seen but you know we're, we're gonna we're getting there we're getting there this is this is progress this is experience in a national tournament and we'll see what happens come the world cup come euro 2024 and we'll take it from there however if you are a pessimist you're turning around and saying that was a shocking game of football shocking tactic too negative it was too slow to make changes uh you know there were certain players in certain positions that just shouldn't have been there and the whole thing just kind of collapsed. We played hoofball. I think it was um, Graham Souness on ITV4 saying it was 20th century football and Steve Clark needs to drag himself into the, the new world. You know, and, and that's not great. It was all detrimental. 
everyone's devastated. It's, it's put us back a bit. It makes you question yourself as a nation as to what's the point. And we're back to square one again. So that's that's the pessimist point of view. I am a mix, to be honest. I thought we did quite well, but there is question marks as to what we actually did during that game that may or may not have helped. Yeah, I, I think I, I actually agree and I like the sort of balanced viewpoint there. And I, I do think, like the, the reaction I see to it in Scottish, um, or just on social media in general, mm. is, you know, praising them for getting us there, for the happy memories they've brought us. However, I do think you need to be a little bit more critical at certain points. And as you say, they created chances in that game. No. And uh, a lo- very similar to all three matches, they had, you know, possession. They had control at certain points. And I just felt there was a lot of, um, like, pinballing in this game. Like, a ball would go into the box. Shea Adams wouldn't know what to do with it. Hot potato, it's someone else. It would come back out, and then it would... And this was happening at both offensive and defensive ends. This is what happened for Modric's first goal, um, yeah. where he had the, the whole of Croatia of space to shoot the shot that he did. Being, he's a Ballon d'Or winner, isn't he? Oh, uh, oh he may be. Uh, I'm not so sure. I think he maybe won it one year. Certainly right up there in the ring, which was a, ridiculous. The defending was just atrocious. The, everyone before that game was saying he needs to be marked. If there's anyone you shut down, don't give space to, it is him. And they gave him that, which is not great. But McGinn, you know, at the back post, it looked like it, it was going in. It had to go in. And... You know what, his left foot didn't quite reach it. That was frustrating. He missed uh, another good opportunity earlier. And it's so frustrating because you mentioned like the elite talent of Croatia there, especially on the sort of offensive side of things, which is interesting because we're kind of the opposite. And I don't think we have the excuse anymore that we don't have the quality players playing at the quality clubs uh, that these other guys do because we now have... Chelsea players in our ranks. We have Manchester United players. We have Liverpool players. We have Arsenal players. Um, and again, that tends to be on the reverse. We have those players defensively. And I, ju- I just think that whilst people were saying there was a lot of heart to their performances and things, there was more that could have been given. They could have been much more clinical. Um, and there's obviously a difference between effort <laughs> and playing well. I mean, when I was at school, I used to play with loads of effort, but I wasn't really thinking what I was doing. I wasn't being that effective. Felt Armstrong was a bit like that, you know, being a bit of a headless chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. But yeah, it needed to be more quality. And hats off to Callum McGregor, who hadn't scored a Scotland goal. Mm. Uh, that felt to me like a really Celtic kind of goal. Like the sort of mid range, just on the outside of the box, low, like really good, good finish. finish. Really, really good finish. Very kind of composed as well. I mean, he had a, a good game for the the task he was given. I, I think all the midfield, I'm very reluctant to criticise Steve Clark because you have to look back to the England game and you have to call it a tactical masterclass, which I kind of did in the last podcast. He did extremely well, and that was an unbelievable result. You know, I know a lot of people will mock and say it's a nil-nil. How can you celebrate that? For Scotland, that's a huge result. However, when you look at the Czech Republic game and you look at the Croatia game, two games where we have to be a little bit more attacking, he he's not really kind of overcame that sort of hurdle. Um, you know, and similarly again, I know we have a structure, a, a formation that we're 
almost kind of set in stone. But in that kind of game, we did need someone else in midfield. That, that became quite obvious quite quickly. And yeah, you're right. It had to have someone just man-mark Modric. And that would have completely nullified Croatia. You could have brought in John Fleck when Grant Hanley got injured and just told John Fleck to follow uh, Modric around the park. It doesn't matter what your position is, just, just man-mark him. And I, I, I do wonder what would have happened in that circumstance if that would have changed the game very much. Well, I know that a lot of people were very confused about Scott McKenna coming on. Um, he must have thought Liam Cooper played terribly <laughs> in the first game. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I would say about McKenna is certainly in the early parts, we had a, one or two kind of corners into the box right at the very beginning of the game. They, maybe not suspect, but there was an opportunity there. And I do wonder if he maybe seen that to say, well, here's another big lumpy guy taking a put in the box if we do get set of pieces. I mean, I think I said to you in, in our kind of sort of group chats was Scott McKenna looks like a rugby player. He doesn't look like a footballer. He's huge. <laughs> He's yeah. just this man mountain there guy. He just they must Grisha must have looked at him and thought, what on earth is this? Like <laughs> found him hiding like, hiding in the Highlands. <laughs> I know. It was really annoying as well that they they had picked Stephen O'Donnell as a weakness in that as a weakness in that team and were yeah. always going down the left. I mean, I think he had to switch like Tierney or something to the other side, just for a bit to get them to stop doing that, because it was painful for long periods of time. Like um, it, it kind of it falls into the argument again, so I'm cutting in. The, again, if we went to a back four, for example, it puts O'Donnell into a more comfortable position for him, because he's not an attacking wing-back. He did exceptionally well against England because he had to defend. That was his main job. And he, he looked like a completely different player, and everyone's like, oh my God, like, you're really sorry for tearing into you after the Czech Republic game, but it's coming back in again for the Croatia game. But you have to kind of say it's not the player, it's the position he's been told to play. Because when uh, Nathan Parson came on for the last 15 minutes, like I know the game was done, but the energy and ability to get forward was just night and day between the two. And that's frustrating as well, because you think, well, I mean, you know, what if we'd swapped out O'Donnell for someone else? What if we had more attacking ability? on the right, it would have freed up more on the left and might have took a bit of pressure off the midfield and you just just want to go back in time and do it all over again well, <laughs> save I, FIFA and uh, save football manager, go back and reload yourself I think you're raising a really good point in that the way the Scotland team is currently set up is it's not very flexible you know, the system, the formation is the same the players are broadly the same and if you have a manager that's seen three or four Scotland videotapes, they know what to do against us um, and the thing about watching Croatia it's just their threat from passes and balls behind were night and day compared to us and they had a few really good one-on-one -on -one chances with David Marshall that we yeah. got nowhere near and I think this whole tournament I, I cannot remember a time where one of the Scotland strikers has been through one-on-one -on -one with a decent shooting opportunity there's always been defenders in front of them or it's been a crossed ball at the back post or something like that now, if you want to play that way, you know, fine, play that way. But it didn't work. We scored one goal the entire tournament from essentially a few rebounds and some defensive mistakes. Yeah, um, and keeping the ball in the deck fundamentally. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that was like, a moment of... Ball. Yeah. I know, and it was a moment of individual brilliance more than any, you know, tactical move or anything like that. Yeah, as much as, much as anything else it was. So he, he does need to sit down and look at that... Um, you know, that that comes with looking at the attacking options, which are very, very thin on the ground from a Scottish perspective. Um, but yeah, 
very I think it's the it is pride in the performances that we saw but it needs to be better it needs to be more clinical you can't go out there pat yourself on the back for doing a good job but feeling unlucky because that means there there is something wrong ultimately Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a great believer in just being unlucky especially not three times and you look at this group this was not the hardest group in Euro 2020 it was not the easiest group in Euro 2020 but I felt like the performance they put in against England wasn't there for some of the guys against Croatia Um, and each and every one of those games they should have been fired up for they should have been out to the max you know why couldn't Stephen O'Donnell put in the performance he did against England against Croatia you know well as I gotta say he he was he was only playing a completely different game so he, he was expected to attack and it was the same in the chair of the game. He was expected to get forward and that's mm. he, he just didn't look comfortable in that at all. So that's a tactical blunder on in both games. Well let's, here's let's be honest. Here's my next concern as well, is when on planet Earth are you gonna get two games in a tournament at Hamden again? Ever. Oh never. I mean that, that was a again it may have been a kind of even a, a counterintuitive point. Maybe it was too much pressure being a home game for Scotland and all this kind of they trained at Far Hill the night before, John. How could that know, be I mean, an advantage? You'll never see the likes of Luka Modric rocking up at Far Hill thinking, what the fuck is this? Ah, like, to be fair, though, like Dinamo Zagreb and all that do not play at like amazing arenas, do they? So, you know, not, this not will all be the time, a shock right? to them. I mean, <laughs> rocking up, like, what is it? The, well, you know, where the Partick really is in the kind of grand scheme of uh, Glasgow City. I've been there twice. I've been, but I don't know where it is in the map. So sorry. It's next to the canal. <laughs> that doesn't help. North, north, north side. It's it's the north, north side. It's not as far from the like M eight just before you go across the bridge. It's kind of diagonally up the way. Anyway, okay. okay. So it's like kind of northwestish. Right. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, they, how can how can you show up for help? I mean, they could have trained at Ibrox. They could have trained at Parkhead, Lennox Town, Murray Park, Lesser Hamden, like. It's just mad. Like, but phoned up Ray McKinnon, or formerly Ray McKinnon, at uh, Queen's Park. Who's the Queen's Park manager now? He's his assistant, previous assistant. I can't remember his uh, name. I thought they got someone. Fair. I thought they were going to get Stubbs in, and thought, ah, where, where's Gooden? Uh, it's like, oh well, we've moved from Hamden to Far Hill. It's practically the same. So ah, we'll give it a bash. And they've rocked up and thought, oh, I just can't imagine. Like as you say, Modric, Kovacic, people who earn. Who could buy the stadium on a week's salary? <laughs> Essentially, uh, wronged up there, and you know, flown back and forth. So they were at a disadvantage. This could have been the best opportunity. It really could have been the best opportunity for them. In history, looking back at it, it probably will be the the biggest chance I've ever had. I mean, I know people. I've, we're obviously too young to talk about it, but a lot of kind of the older guys are kind of saying this is like. It's got hallmarks uh, Argentina 78 where it's like if they go there with all the hope in the world half expecting to win the World Cup and then absolutely bomb it in all three games which is what we've almost done Scotland ah, Scotland it yeah. but th- this is my big thing is we felt so left out from the France tournament when Wales went through, when Northern Ireland went through, when England went through. I think yeah. Republic went through as well, didn't they? All, all home nations apart from Scotland were there, even Iceland were there. And, yeah. like, uh, if we're looking back, Wales... Euro, Euro 2016 was the one that you know we were desperate to be at. 
And then you look at this year again, Wales went through. And, you know, I'm looking at the Wales squad thinking, are they better than us? Like, on paper? No, they're not. And again, maybe it's a mentality thing. And there are only a lot of people, again, are kind of saying, well, it's our first tournament in 23 years. You know, it's, we need that experience first before we can take any further. You immediately ping them back to Wales in 2016. Now, they hadn't been to an international tournament since 1958, like the Swedish World Cup, and got to the semi-finals. Like, that just doesn't work. Like, that argument doesn't work at all. Like, we maybe even have slightly better players or a slightly better quality of squad. Who knows? It doesn't show in the park, obviously. On paper, maybe. So that, that argument falls in its backside. We should have done better and there's bits here and there that we we definitely should have improved on. I, I'm taking the England game out of this. It's, it's purely in the Czech and Croatia game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the bullet points to sum up is we're too predictable. We aren't um, versatile enough going forward and we're not clinical enough. Uh, yeah. Really. Um, yeah, so with the, that in mind... What are your thoughts about... So you, you said, for example, that like Nathan Patterson did really, really well coming in. And I know a lot of people are now crying out for the likes of you know Turnbull to come in next time to get the likes of Patterson more minutes, the likes of Gilmore more minutes, you know, probably people like um, Nesbitt and stuff like that as well. Uh, do you think that might be a good direction to go in for the, the World Cup qualifiers that are coming up? It's, it's a start. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why... Certainly Nathan Patterson should be involved uh, significantly more now. I think we had a very slight glimpse as to what he could maybe offer. Can we not Similarly, move him up the park a wee bit and say, hey Rangers, nah, I mean, I'm going to try I him at right midfield. We've got enough nah, fullbacks as it is. Like just, I think he would look quite good as a, to play that kind of right wing back. If you're going to continue with a back five or a back three with wing backs, you know, he's, Nathan Patterson in a year or two time will be perfect foil for Andy Robertson and Kieran on the other side. Like that is that's what we should be aiming for. That's what his development should be all about. As well as do well for his club, obviously. Um Billy Gilmore, yeah, definitely. He should be in there constantly now. Now he, he should be almost have that team built around him if if he's going to have that kind of status. Even if he's not playing consistently at club level. I think he's eventually going to start picking that up. I mean, it will be very difficult to get into that Chelsea team. Of course it is. But I think give him, give him a year or two again, we'll, we'll see something hopefully come out of him. Well, this uh, bit I'm not too sure about, to be honest. He's he's our best hope for young attacking talent we have at the moment. Uh, I cannot name you anyone else in the league or any other Scottish striker out with, you know... McBurney's not the future hope, is he? No, I mean there's there's a there is a few guys now who are in their kind of mid twenties, late twenties. So you're now kind of thinking, right, you've kind of not had your chance, but you know you've been in the squad and we've kind of seen what you've got. Again, we're now looking to the younger age groups. To be honest, I had no idea who Nathan Patterson was until about six months ago. So we have no idea, and I'm not even going to pretend I know who's lurking in any academy anywhere in the world. And they might be Scottish, and they might be world class, and we just we just don't know about them yet. 
Well, we we keep our fingers crossed for some for some more options uh, at very least. I, personally, I was always quite frustrated with the the sort of force the youngsters in early because I feel I felt like the national team should not be about you know developing people. That's not what it's there for. That's what the clubs are there for. Aye. The national team is for players at their peak to force their way in to the best eleven that we have, um, and that. That's what I thought was brilliant. You know, there was a lot of stories from this time around. You know, like seeing you know Shankland involved, seeing Considine involved, and that would have never happened if, um, you know, you'd made way for someone else. And that will be the highlight of these guys' careers. And I, I, I don't think you can take that away from them, from them, just for giving some youngster some international experience. But then, counterpoint, would it, would it give them more confidence at a tournament? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it becomes it becomes interesting. I mean, the, the the question we kind of put as well is, what tournament do you really focus on now? Which is a weird kind of question to ask. Do you immediately look at the World Cup 2022 World Cup and go right? We're going to make it with that current squad, which we have a fair chance of doing. I mean, I don't think we would kind of. I'm optimistic enough to believe that. And with oh, yeah. Euro 2024, wherever that is being held. We have to target that. I mean, that we have to be there. It's probably like, Saudi Arabia at this rate. <laughs> nah, it could be anywhere. Be on the moon. <laughs> but that Euro twenty twenty four is absolutely the the tournament we should be aiming for. I think was the World Cup twenty twenty two. Yes, in Qatar. All those in Christmas time, which is a bit strange. Mm. And you can't drink. Why are we going? We will qualify for this now. We can't drink. Well, it's like, like, I think you know with the with this squad, every tournament has to be. We have to go for this. Uh, but you know, it'll be the same truncated qualifying campaign with a few disappointing results to start. We barely scrape enough points to be almost in with a chance with the last game, and then we'll bottle it at the last game. It, it, it's, it's just what we it's do. Inevitable. It's, we're good at it. I know. I, I think that. Uh, Steve Clark's definitely still the right man for the job because he's yes, got us. Got us further than anyone else. This is what we should have been doing before. Uh, he's maximising the most he has from a bad bunch. He now needs to turn them into a team that believes in themselves and can be the team on the on the front foot in a match, for example. Um, if, if Steve Clark was... I, I, again, I'm reiterating myself, but he is an absolutely brilliant defensive-minded coach. Like he, if Scotland ended up in the group of death, like instead of Hungary, right? We had France, Germany, and Portugal. It would have been really fascinating to see what we would have done in there because we would have been as structured as we were in the England game. I'm not going to say, well, like, oh, well, maybe sneak a goal here and there, but that's a kind of group and against a nation that's maybe more suited to Steve Clark and his tactics. If he can get someone in about his kind of coaching staff who is more attack minded. Um, and can maybe sort of give or lend some kind of ideas to that side of things, I think that would massively help us. It would. Um, what did you make of the whole COVID debacle? That's a farce. Like, the whole thing, I mean, for both sides, for both Scotland and England, it's a joke. He's ah. asymptomatic. He spoke to Chilwell and Mason Mount in the tunnel for 20 minutes. Fair enough. I mean, they're Chelsea teammates. And then all of a sudden they're close contacts even though half the Scotland team were playing table tennis with them at night 
and deploy all had like lunch and breakfast together. No, the table tennis didn't happen, John. It was removed from social media. Therefore, nah, that, nah, it never that didn't happen. Like, I, I think I said in our group chat, I was half expecting them, and I think this might have been a good tactic. Very cruel and very bad humour and bad taste. But if they were like coughing and spluttering in the tunnel, um, Croatia, <laughs> yeah, might have <laughs> thought, oh, I'm staying, you know, good two, three meters from that guy. Uh, fortunately, our defenders did that anyway, which was good of them. Uh, um, social distance. We <laughs> Nicola would have been proud. <laughs> yes, uh, Nicola, freaking moderate. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens now. Uh, England did their job in typical fashion, which was frustrating uh, equally. And, well, they, uh, they did the right thing and won the group, and then they will now play the runners up a group F, which is going to be France, Germany, or Portugal. Let's hope that they get the result that they deserve. You know, four nil Germany. They're not going on to win the tournament, but at the same time, you know, as a title oh, of last. Don't that. Nah, they're not going to win the tournament. But um, like at the same time, your comments about Spain the other week was you know like uh, Falkirk under Yogi, and they've just gone and absolutely thrashed like Slovakia or something like that, haven't they? But Yogi was capable of doing that every day again. <laughs> Well, you know, th- I I put you in the direction of a five 0 win over Dundee United in two thousand and seven, uh-huh. two thousand six, I should say. Um, Anthony Stokes scored a hat trick against Dunfermline and then scored a hat trick against Dundee United. So only a uh, player to score two consecutive hat tricks in the Scottish leagues. There you go. Bit of fun uh, trivia for you. I know that would have never come up on a Euros podcast before. Um. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. This is the interesting thing about the tournament football is anything can happen. It's all about making it past the group stage. At that point, all bets are off. You know, you're playing. This is the fascinating thing that's been about the like the ice hockey playoffs in you know, the States and Canada. One of the worst teams is pretty much guaranteed to go to the, the final now. Um, I do think the SPFL should do that to stop the reign of Rangers and Celtic dominance. Not that it necessarily would. Uh, but we will wait and see. Uh, but now they will win a title that is a cinch, quite literally. No. Um, did you see this uh, sponsorship announcement, John? Yes, uh, domestic Mars, great fun. <laughs> keep, keep the enjoyment rolling, boys. Well, yeah. you know, there's, there's not much else to add about the Scotland game that's there. I, I cannot wait for the day what's his face, Ryland shows up at the Falkirk Stadium to hand, I don't know who will be your captain, Gary Miller, the League One trophy and 32,500 people in the pissing rain and we're going, congratulations, this should have happened last year and then the year before that and all. Uh, <laughs> such a weird, weird sponsor. Like, I know we're desperate, but come on. Like, I, I, like, I hadn't even thought of the idea of like Ryland turning up. Um, it'd be great if we had the know. postcode lottery cup or something like that, perhaps as well, get those people on your doorstep. <laughs> just randomly, randomly knocking on like one of the forty-two clubs' doors. <laughs> but then, one. like, someone's <laughs> that's how the draw could be done. Like, yeah, there you go. There's your big ticket. They just go to some street or like some tenement block, and there's just like all the kind of like um, sort of team numbers. Yeah. Instead of like using balls, we'll just use like random doors. Just run a bit playing chappy. Who would be behind them? That's the thing. It's like, oh um, look, it's Jim Goodwin. <laughs> You're at home, right? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> can you imagine the confusion? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking back. Like we haven't had a sponsor since. Uh, so I, I think it must have been Labrooks, which was for 
three or four years ago comfortably. Before then, it was always like it was big banks. Like you had Clydesdale, Bank of Scotland, Bank of Scotland. What was before Bank of Scotland? Uh, it was Bank of Scotland for a really, really long time. In fact, it was Bank of Scotland when I started watching Scottish football when I was a kid. Yeah, it was. About the same they, for me. they had it for a really long time. I have no idea who was before that, if there was one at all, to be honest. My dad worked for the Bank of Scotland, so he occasionally used to get free Falkirk tickets when they were in the Premiership. Mm. And it was always my brother's turn when Rangers or Celtic or Hearts came round. Oh, and I went to the Inverness Caledonian Thistle games and the St Mirren games. And even then, they would get beat. I still remember going to the Inverness Cali game where the Falkirk fans were like literally cheering at every Inverness goal that was going in. It was ridiculous. Um. Good times, yeah. It's not quite as prestigious. They are sponsoring, I think, all the leagues, though, aren't they? Like, they, yeah, I think they're doing all the leagues. I don't know about the Scottish Cup. I think that's slightly different. Or it's um, Blends the... Vodka, or someone daft like that. Oh, you wait for the Mad Dog Twenty Twenty Trophy and things like that. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, fair, fair play to Premier Sports for actually picking up the League Cup, though. And that's that's nice of them. Absolutely monopolise a trophy that no one cares about. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of where they've got to be in the market, though, isn't it? Like, I actually think they re- do a really good job. Like, their coverage is better than STV coverage, for example. Yeah, you, no, it, definitely. Especially see for the Scottish Cup final and stuff. Essentially, it was the BT coverage, really, wasn't it? It's the same production company. I can't remember their name. So, Premier Sports have basically employed this production company, and yeah. then all the kind of pundits and, and co-hosts and whatnot are all kind of, I think they're part of that kind of package. I can't remember the name of that company. I think Sunset Vine, maybe. Sunset Vine, yeah, that's the one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we always like picking up these sort of random, more obscure trophies. Um, it's nice to have a little bit more money behind it. I think desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... The league certainly has picked up much more interest with Rangers being more competitive with Celtic now. Um, it would be nice to see other teams be a bit more competitive with each other. Like, I, Hibs didn't really have a rival last year, you know, to third place. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen were kind of there for all the whole thing, but you were just waiting for them to fall off. Just an, an awful season for these. Well, that brings us to the exciting draw for the, Ura- <laughs> the Europa Conference League the thing. UEFA, Europa conference league qualifying third stage <laughs> yeah well, could be even before that so we're in the second obviously second well they are against the uh the 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 hackers quite literally bk hacken is that how you pronounce it yeah it's bk or fc hacken hocken hocken uh from sweden i believe uh gothenburg is what you were saying wasn't it Yes, in Gothenburg, I think they're also bottom of the league. <laughs> so, Are they? <laughs> I think so. Um, I think the Sweden, the Sweden play a, a summer league, or a kind of truncated summer league. So they finished third, God, how does it work, last summer, or whatever when last season was. And I, then, I mean, like last October. Time, uh, yeah, so they're, they're currently bottom of the league, or they were sort of that last time I looked. Now, we know, John, from uh, any European qualifier against a Scottish team, that is out the window when probably irrelevant. the Scots come and play, exactly. Uh, I was looking up their FIFA rating and it's pretty much, it matches Aberdeen quite closely in terms of like, they're like a two and a half star team, which usually means that they'll beat us. Um, in terms of what we've done, what have we done? Uh, an English guy from Brighton. Um, who seems to have next to no first team experience 
Uh, an English guy from Atlanta United, because that seems to be a connection, who seems to have next to no first-team experience. Um, and then the likes of Declan Gallagher, J. Emmanuel Thomas, uh, and our new captain wearing the number eight, as was announced this week, uh, Scott Brown, who I uh, saw on Twitter was getting jibes for and training not wearing like short shorts and like uh, like a short sleeve shirt and playing the hard man that he usually does. They've also noticed he's grown his hair a wee bit and lost the the hard man baldy uh, sort of skinhead. So uh, he's softening himself up to take over Stephen Glass when he gets sacked. Well, that's the thing. Part of me was looking at it in all these Twitter comments. Oh, he's not such a hard man. I was like, well, he's kind of the boss now, so he needs to. Maybe he's thought about that and uh, is kind of playing more of that role. Yeah, I think he was when Gary Mackay Stevens tracks at bottoms though. <laughs> so he's not got the he's not got the Scott Brown stuff uh, sorted yet. But uh yeah, it'll be really interesting. Uh, do we even know if it's gonna be on telly? Is it gonna be on BT? I oh, highly doubt it. If anyone's gonna pick up falling off, it might be Premier Sports. I, I don't know how the licensing works for even for Europa League kind of early qualifiers, it's quite difficult to find or even if they even bother. That's the thing. I'd I think, be interested to watch it just for something to do. <laughs> like, but like, uh, as much as we said, oh, this is totally ridiculous. As an away day, going to Gothenburg would have been absolutely fantastic. Oh, talking um, about yeah, nostalgia ship for you guys would be phenomenal. Wait, all the Krona, Krona, not Corona, Swedish, Swedish Krona. Yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm not too sure. <laughs> certainly the Swedish Franks uh, yeah it would have been an excellent away day it is an interesting team to play it's not one of these Eastern European minnows that would have been a total nightmare to get through through an annexed country of some kind no. uh, it's just a shame that these aren't the sort of teams that would kind of be in the group stages but maybe that's indicative of the strength of both of our leagues like I uh, what AIK is the best team in Sweden is it? You're kind of in a mix between AIK, Bronby, Hammerby. Is usually your kind of top three, give or take. Who plays at the really cool stadium, like the National Stadium? That's AIK and the Friends, Friends Arena. The Friends Arena. And then the two of them meet each other and it's a war zone. <laughs> are they quite intense with their football rivalry over there? They are. Um, maybe going off topic a little bit again. But this just turned into a chat, which is lovely. Uh, there is a company called Home Fans. Uh, now I own shares with them, but I have nothing else to do with them. <laughs> uh, disclaimer in there. They do, or when can I, you take COVID out of the equation, you can do weekend trips, uh, or they can let you sort of host them. Uh, one of them is actually the Stockholm Derby, uh, which I found kind of interesting because I was close to doing it until kind of lockdown happened, which was the last March time. Uh, I had a ticket for Millwall versus Charlton. And then I was going to go to the uh, Stockholm Derby just after it. And then obviously everything happened. John, I, John, I remember you mentioning that. I was like, friends, you know, this sounds like something John was going to go to. Um, Stockholm would be a nice place to visit. I don't know much about it, just be told. I think Richard Iowadi went there in one of his travel programmes. Like, but you'd get all the meatballs and things like that, for one thing. Maybe that's like yeah, a... Yeah. Call your flat pack, flat pack furniture. Flat pack furniture. I'm, I'm thinking that surely their halftime snack must be meatballs instead of Scotch pies or something like that, or like fish. They're quite into their fish, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not a big uh, fan of fish. Oh, must admit. See that Alexander Isak guy for Sweden? 
freaking boss. Like for such a tall guy, he's so good at dribbling and stuff like that. Was it? Was he the player that made the comments about Gary Lineker? Yes, I think he was. Yeah, this guy's good. I was like, I'll rate that guy. <laughs> but to be fair to him, like they're asking a guy who, what, he's 19, 20, something like that? Yeah, he's uh, really young. Yep. So they're asking, oh, do you know Gary Lineker? Who? Why would you know Gary Lineker? Like, he, Gary Lineker, I think, is overrated. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, he's paid a fortune to do something I would do for free. Like, I, you know. It doesn't even particularly do it that well. Oh, I have a whole other issue about. Just the punditry of this tournament has felt utterly awful. Like, Martin Keon has the energy of a freaking sloth. And, like, it's just, his, his commentary is abysmal. He was saying in that Scotland-England game, he was sure of the Sterling thing, where he kicked himself as a penalty. And it's like, get a grip, Martin. Get a grip. And uh, the guy, see that Sam Matterface guy on, like, ITV? I just, I don't rate him either. He's pretty droll as well. There's the kind of host. Well, he's their lead commentator now. Oh, uh, of course, yes. Yeah, so I'm thinking of anything. I don't remember the Clive thing. Oh, are you thinking the curly haired bloke who no one knows the name of but always sees? Yeah, he's, he's always on the kind of ITV coverage. I when they get up on the studio, they do I have no idea. What this, this, would, this would make for a great podcast. Is just we'll, after the Euros is finished, we'll go through it and we'll go best pundit to worst. That'd be a good laugh. It's a good shout. Um, trying to think of the Scots people would be up there, but. Um, I still like Shelley Chair. Oh, James McFadden. He's all right. He's like, all right. We've said this before. He was useless like at the Aberdeen to Barton game, for example, but I suppose that's not really his level. Um, I haven't actually seen anything of Clive Tildesley and Ali McCoy's check, which I hear is quite a good oh, partnership. Yeah. You so. missed out. With me being down in London, I get their commentary uh, oh, so for the Scotland they, games. Did they do so they had. Yeah, you missed out. You should have been watching uh, the Scotland Crucial Game like ITV four. Four, yeah. Yeah, it was Clive and uh, no, it wasn't. It must have been that Sam Geezer and Dali McCoist as the uh, co-coms. Right, it was actually quite good. Uh, it made me feel better. <laughs> Dali McCoist's voice is like a just a like, kind of warm blanket. <laughs> He's so good. He's looking old though. Though, like I've seen sort of grey hair and the beard start to come in and things like that. Ah, yeah. um, his, his Instagram's quite good as well, actually. To be fair. Busy guy, busy guy. Yeah. Uh, but no, when when we're watching stuff, it needs to be better. Like you know, I still think Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane and stuff like that are odd choices as well. Uh, who's that's the a bygone age. I know. There's the guy in yeah. the BBC as well who's like, he's foreign. I think he's uh, French or is he Spanish? Eric Abidal. No. Eric Abadal's known the BBC. He was on when uh, Ericsson collapsed. Oh, uh, Michael Richards? No, the foreigner. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm just thinking of the guys that have been on it. I mean, was he not on that? Michael Richards was on that. It was Michael Richards, Alex Scott, Gary Lineker, and... Somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was like oh. a Spaniard or something like that. Cesc, Fabregas. Aye, that... That sounds a bit right. Yeah, he he was he is one of their pundits. I think he was doing that game. That, that was such a shock that game that. Oh, I know. I can't to, really remember very much. To be fair, I can't really pan them that much because I've mainly been watching the the like highlight shows, which seem to have all but dried up at the moment, which is kind of annoying. But yeah, I still find it funny that folks like Dion Dublin are on there, and I'm like, 
Really? She'd be flogging him. She's like, well, that's the thing. See, when he was up in Glasgow for the game, I was like, he's looking at some property. This is uh, this is why he's taking that trip. He's got to be side hustle going on the globals. Like. Also, I was watching Rob Green was on the other day. I was just like, he's just a bit boring. That's, that's scraping the barrel. Well, like, I've been watching like Ben Foster on YouTube a lot recently, and he seems to have a little bit more you know, personality and go about him. So it would have been maybe good to see him instead of Rob Green. So I don't know how they arrive at the choices. Like, they don't seem to audition these guys. It just seems to be, if you're interested and your agent knows the right people, you get to be a pundit. It seems to be, I mean, again, Ali McCoy seems to be the one who, he talks like he actually wants to be there as well. You know, he's got all the enthusiasm. He genuinely feels like this is a, a huge kind of opportunity and, and you know, he's, he's very grateful for it all. You listen to compare him to like somebody like Mark Lawrence, and it just sounds like it's a drag. He doesn't he's been forced there against his will. Like, just fuck off, right? We're all done with this guy. Like, he's been devastating cold comms for all these years. He, he needs to go. Like, to be fair, like, he was done for the, like, the Brazil World Cup in like 2014. Um, uh, beyond that, 2008. Yeah, but to me, he represents the golden age of the pundit that was like Hansen and like Lawrence and things like that. And um, who was the old commentator that used to do the England games and stuff? He was like Des Lynam and stuff like that. Um, really going back. <laughs> yeah, but like they were brilliant commentators. And in the same way, like I don't think we've, like, for example, okay, you hear the like, uh, is Archie McPherson used to be our commentator? Yeah, so he used to do it. Um, Does Ian Crocker hold a candle in the wind to Archie McPherson? No. To be fair, Ian Crocker has not had the same opportunities that Archie McPherson has had uh, to commentate on such things. I do think the Rory guy's a good commentator. Uh, I always moan about Liam McLeod because he just tries to make everything into a clip that goes on BBC Scotland, like trailers and things like that. But at least he's enthusiastic about it. Hi, and again, if you're... Archie was great. Derek Ray is probably the best commentator we've had in the whole of the UK for, for a very long time. And unfortunately, there's all this sort of commentaries for the Americans and get paid an absolute fortune for it, I imagine, as well. Well, that's the thing. Because of because um, I'm subscribed to some of the sports channels in Canada because of the ice hockey, I noticed that their broadcast, they have Kevin Kilban on as an analyst. And I was like... <laughs> I mean, I don't like Kevin Kilman. Uh, I know, but they were like, right, we need a pundit who's kind of vaguely in touch with European football that speaks English. That Kevin Kilban guy's like occasionally on. Was he an internationalist at any point? Uh, he must have done. He was Irish. Kevin oh, yeah, Kilban. that's true. Oh, he would have been an internationalist all the time then. Uh, the, the two really, really weird ones is Craig Burley, who appears on ESPN FC. Uh, on if you watch BT Sport every now and again, it's like they kind of it's a gap filler. But I think it must be either for the Americans or the Australians. I'm not too sure who for, because uh, he's on there a panel with him, Shaka Hislop, and then two other random guys. I'm not too sure who they are. One of them is the he's a Spanish pundit. It's not the not the guy you're thinking of. The other guy, the kind of fatter guy. I can't remember his name. The, the, anyway, Scot- the Scottish guy that talks about Spain, or he's actually Spanish? No, he's, he is actually Spanish. He's our kind of European oh, correspondent. Right. 
So not the not the guy that writes on the BBC website and things. Uh, no, no, no. Guillaume Balig. It's not it's not Guillaume Balig. It's, okay. it's another guy. If Darren was on, he would be able to tell. <laughs> Do you know, I I know Craig Burley because I occasionally watch that and I I those American talk shows are really weird because they pump them out like all the time, and it's weird that an American football show would have all these like expats and things essentially on it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I spent six months in California and not a soul understood me. So how they're understanding Craig Burley, <laughs> so, as strong an accent as I do, is beyond me. Like, they must sit with the subtitles on, right? He's really annoying. He's, like, on the level of uh, Andy... Who's this guy, sports bloke? Oh, um, Gray. No, not Andy Gray. He's, like, the co-commentator. We Celtic, we J always says incredibly daft oh, things. Walker. Andy Walker. Andy Walker. Um, see Jim White resigned as well. He doesn't resign, but he's retiring as well. Jim White's retiring. Psh, crazy. Aye. Transfer deadline day will never be the same. Never has nah, been the same for a while, to be fair. Nah, dude. Since the big, really big money came in, it's kind of lost its appeal. It's a kind of big event. Worked well. We never expected to talk about pundits, but uh... oh, we went on a weird tangent there. I hope folk are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was good. This is what this podcast should be more often, frankly. Yeah. Uh, we just need is... alcohol involved, and we'll be good to go. I know. I hear you. I see you're hitting the cola hard there, John. Is it cola? Zero as well. God. Oh, why bother? Why bother? Yeah. I've got some batteries and fizzy pop lined up after this myself. Crazy, They're lovely. Crazy Wednesday nights and all. What are we doing today? The fun thing today. So I'd usually. Um, this time of year in school, I'd usually bring in, like the Nintendo or something like that to play uh, like Mario Kart and things. But COVID relating, I was like, yeah, I'm not having them like handheld controllers and things. That seems like a daft idea. So what games could we play that doesn't require a controller? And I've kind of reinvigorated the PS2 recently. And do you remember a device called the iToy? Yes, I never had one, but I do remember it. It's like a webcam. But we had a great time today, like dancing away. So you basically reached to different parts of the screen to dance. <laughs> I was acing it, by the way. And I was burning all the calories of all the fizzy drinks I've had, which is why that brought that to mind. And you're, of course, Thanks. going to the gym tomorrow. So happy days. Yeah, fun. Right. Uh, last of all, we had, which we teased, the big reveal of the Falkirk Home and Away kits. 2020 stroke uh, 21 for the actual viewers uh, I can probably quickly get a picture up uh, but John would you like to describe for the audio listeners uh, what Falkirk have done with this year's Home and Away kit reveals yeah certainly so audio listeners close your eyes and picture a dumb fell on top from <laughs> two years ago and you have exactly what Falkirk have only in a slightly kind of navy blue colour um, very, very dark navy blue. Um, it looks almost kind of black and white um, on a lot of the pictures. I've seen it with people actually buying it and wearing it, and it does look a slightly lighter navy blue. But it's still, I, I don't like it. I don't like the design. Um, meanwhile, if, uh, again, our audio viewers want to close their eyes and picture a smurf that's been like ran over by a tractor, you'll have the kind of pattern that goes along the away top. <laughs> Absolutely horrific. I actually really like thinking. I really like that as a description. That honestly, it looks like a training top, and you could buy a Puma sale for fifteen quid. Like just just take off the badges and take off the sponsor, and that's a training top. Like ah, it's 
it's so lazy. It really is. I think uh, so. The the home top does hark back to one of the the coasters kits from like the eighties yeah, or nineties. There was a classic. I think it was nineteen. I'm say nineteen ninety, roughly. Yeah. A uh, uh, Falkirk top was sponsored by coasters at the time, and again, it's it's kind of pinstripes and it's kind of a lighter blue and a darker blue is the kind of sort of pattern across. Really quite kind of classy. And if they had replicated that, yeah, I mean, I would have had one by now. I would have ordered it straight away. They've not really done that here. It's, it's, it's a bit of a disappointment, to be honest. See, that's the thing. I think it's it's close. Like, the it, it, it almost looks good. Um, but the stripes it, top yeah. stop a little bit too short. And the sponsor in red. See if they... If I'd done that in white, even or even if you had the yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, white would have looked like better. A, to be honest, a surround or something. Aye, but it uh, it just looks like a like a junior kit or something, doesn't it? Uh, I have many many problems with this. I mean, if you even look at the kind of sorry audio viewers, uh, <laughs> even like the kind of round the shoulders. So like, why why is the kind of pin like slightly cut out and then come back in again? And why are the sleeves are slightly different? Dark shade, shade of navy blue. Well, we'll hold off judgment oh. on that until it actually arrives. Um, aye, but the, the navy blue one, the pattern completely stops with the sleeves. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely madness. And again, there's a kind of weird kind of taper at the, the bottom of both kits, yeah. rather than just on the pattern going all the way around. I mean, for a fat block, it's honestly going to look like you're wearing a one-piece. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just not right like, yeah. uh, if, if the Falkirk marketing me. department are listening do not take that as a merchandising suggestion that is definitely not one you want to be kind of putting through no uh, yeah I think uh, oh, well uh, people were like very nearly furious that um, <laughs> the home top was going to be that light blue I personally think changing it wouldn't be such a bad idea I am going to now look for the Stennis Muir kit, which is also a Puma kit. Uh, if we're going to do a comparison, this is this is golden. So, but this what, is what I, we could have won. This is that's the thing. If <laughs> they had gone with this kit in navy blue, geez, oh, see the amount of players that Stennis Muir have signed is ridiculous. By the way, it's just a lot. I mean, they've had a huge rebuilding job. I think they they lost a lot of players. Are they still have their is it a lot of kind of loanies for pibs? I know they still have that kind of relationship. It's like a, a technical partnership. Um, not that many guys have come in from pibs for this year. They mainly seem to have borrowed from the Lowland League, um, as well as picking up some sort of uh, journeyman like Ross Forbes and stuff like that. So they've they still manage that balance of these lower league teams in that a big name who was once good that is your good player. And then I had a bunch of young guys around it uh, to sort of uh, aggregate that. Uh, oh, Puma away kit vote open now. No, I'm looking for the home kit. Hey, there we go. Home kit announced. So at long last, I can now open this up. So I'll describe this to the viewers who can't see it. This is on the Stenosphere website. Um, again, it is another Puma kit. Um, but the pattern is it's kind of like a if you imagine like a processor sort of cyber looking thing uh, with accents of white and slightly off white um, and then so I think there's some yellow accents on the kit as well um, of course the, the photos are absolutely tiny uh, just in case yeah <laughs> elsewhere but 
if uh, Falkirk had gone for this in navy blue with some red accents, I think it would have looked sick. Um, yeah, but they've missed a trick. I do think Dennis Muir also have a nicer sponsor on here with an actual graphic design logo. Yeah, again, in the, the kind of the sponsor matches the design of the shirt as well. Yeah, which helps a lot. So nah, it's, oh, it's just yeah. it's a it's just a field attempt by by the Falkirk team. I'm afraid they've they've done well up to certainly this season. This season season's been a disappointment. I was about to say, like, it's been a good run. You can't complain. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, even... I didn't mind last season. It took a while for it to kind of grow on me. The season before that, I do regret not buying the away top with the kind of kelpies and stuff around the, the sleeves. Yeah. That was quite cool. Yeah, the white one. But, um, nah, never mind. Hey, have there been any other club kits on your radar for this season yet? No, I haven't really seen very much kind of come through that's really kind of caught the eye. Um, to be fair, I haven't really been paying attention, but you know, I've been kind of more focused on the Euros than I have yeah. on kind of domestic matters. The, 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 the focus one was well. To be fair, the Aberdeen kit actually, I, I don't mind. See, I initially was like Ugh, another red kit, but with the black accents instead, it is a bit of a change. So again, if it's cheap at the end of the year. Uh, however, I am growing to like my like you know big white collared one that I got. You know, with the like traditional Adidas. It looks like the Russia no, kit yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, I think Belgium have had the best variation of it. If they could have changed the colour of the sleeves, it would look so much cooler. Mm. Uh, my big regret for an Aberdeen kit I didn't buy was years ago they had a black and like neon red away kit. So like the three data stripes were bright red and then the sponsor and things were like a really bright neon red. I should have got that one and, and, and didn't. Um, well, you know, maybe these things will come back around one day. But uh, if you want something, you buy it. He says, regretfully looking back to his phone at the unopened uh, GD sports message of the, the incoming Scotland top that will be sent his way as the general public stop wearing them. Um, I tell you, those uh, see those score draw Scotland strips? They must have shifted a heck of a load of them, though. Like, every... like You'll have seen them when you were down in London last I week. Like, so many of them, like... I mean, for 35 quid, 35 quid? Yeah, 35 quid. Uh, like half the price of essentially an actual Scotland top. Great idea. Yeah, and it looks nice, to be honest. Uh, well, some of them do. The The first Scotland I had, kit I had was the 98 one. So, like, the different colours of blue stripes, white collar, with tartan around the logo. Uh, so I was hummed and hawed about getting that one, even though I thought the purpley tartan one was a slightly nicer kit. Mm. Um, was there one in particular you might have gone for? Uh, well, I'll give you a shock. I have never bought a Scotland top. You have no, a polo, no, though? I've got a, kind of a polo and a, I've got two polos and a kind of training top that I picked up for about a fiver uh-huh. uh, of a kind of wholesaler. But I've never, never ever bought a, a Scotland top. I don't think I ever will either. I don't know why. I've I've never had, I've never seen the appeal of it because we've always been kind of so far away from actually being able to do anything. No. Well, see, I, I've got the Scotland rugby kit as well. Again, I do have a Scotland rugby top, which is really. I've been, to, I've been to two games, I think, and I've got my own dad actually went out and actively bought me one. Um, I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's actually quite nice as well. That's what, I think it almost fits me because it was just so big. That's the this thing, though. They're like six or seven years ago. They're made much better than football kits are. 
they're high quality. They're, they're thick material. I mean, they're good for the winter. It's almost like your kind of hockey jerseys is that kind of material. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I, 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 I kind of message around, you know, the usual rugby crowd of friends I have. Be like, yeah, you watching the Scotland game? No, not into football. I'm like, come on. The whole nation is like rallying around this team. And you're still like, oh, it's more socially acceptable to go along to the rugby. Like, okay. Well, rugby's fun. I, I was really worried, though. At the end of, I think, the England game when Lyndon Dykes gave it, gave it away, we do that in rugby like all the time. Like, we'll be defending a lead and then, like, 30 seconds to go, they'll chuck it to the other team. And I'm like, why? Don't Scotland it again. Anyway. Anyway. I think... That's us chatted for a reasonable amount of time. I cannot tell <laughs> on the Zoom recording these days. Um, but yeah, hopefully this is a wee mini podcast that will let uh, see us over until we get to uh, talk about other Scottish football bits and bobs uh, going on in the next few weeks. I'm guessing signings and things are probably going to step up um, in a bigger way for the bigger clubs. Um, we'll probably hear a bit more about Celtic and things like that with the new manager coming in um, and the sort of tone that he wants to strike. So uh, I'll, I suppose I'll say a very thank you for uh, a, a thank you for uh, joining me, John. No worries. Uh, and a thank you to you all for listening. If you did get this far, give it a like, uh, give the video a like, uh, or get subscribed on whatever platform you are either listening or watching on. We are on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much all good podcasting services. Um, so yeah. Thank you very much for uh, listening from myself, Paul. Ciao. All the best. Bye. And have a good evening, a good afternoon, and a good morning. Goodbye. Right. We're now, we're now going to take this time. I'm, I'm going to hold my head in my hands, and you're going to go like, yes. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> no, that'll do. I should have a, a decent freeze frame of that because that means for the thumbnail, I can like literally. Um...